Well, welcome back to those who were uh, here last time, and uh, welcome to those who it's your first time. So how many of you it is your first time? You were not here last time. Okay. Uh, those who were not here last time, did you catch the podcast from last time? Yeah, most everybody did? Okay, good, good, good. So everybody's caught up there. Did anybody not catch the podcast who wasn't here? Okay, so one, two, a couple people. Okay. So uh, you can catch up on that. So I, just for time, I'm not going to be able to kind of circle back on that. But I, I shared a lot of the testimony, a lot of the foundation of kind of the journey that the Lord took me on. And uh, after many, many years of being a, a believer, but still being, you know, struggling with different things and not understanding why. And, and I talk about on there uh, just an incredible encounter I have with the Lord that set me free of all of it. I didn't really understand it then. I understood it about a year later, and now I know how to, to explain it to people, and I did that on there. So, um, I, you know, it, I, I know it'll bless you if you just go listen, because it, it's not about what I said. It was just about what the Lord did, and it's just me sharing my testimony of what He did in my life. And so I'd encourage you to go catch that if you, if you didn't. Um, and so I'm going to kind of pick up where I left off there. One of the things that was requested um, was that I talk about um, healing. So last time I kind of included in that testimony the journey that the Lord took me on uh, years ago healing me, but also uh, more recently, about three and a half years ago, starting me on this journey of going out and putting on my heart to go and pray for people. And uh, for a long time, praying for person. After, I mean, I was praying for a few people every single day, um, every day, one to two days, I'd run across somebody who was hurting, who had some kind of sickness, disease, some kind of pain, some kind of something, and would pray for people for a long time, not see people healed. And uh, about the 50th person I prayed for, I saw healed. About the 80th one, I saw heal, uh, healing again. But I was seeing a lot of people not being healed. And, um, and what the, and, and I just, I just refused to make a doctrine out of it. I, I saw in the word of God, that, you know, we, we would see, excuse me, I'm going to sit my Bible over here and grab it in a minute. Well, we see in the Word all through, Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed them all. We see by His stripes we were healed. But I, I was sitting there in churches all, my whole life, since I was 23 years old, I'm in churches and I'm seeing people get prayed for all the time and I'm not seeing people get healed. Uh, very, very rare. Every once in a while I would get a glimpse of something. But most of the time I would see people come up for prayer, they'd hobble up for prayer and they'd hobble back to their seat. But it, so it didn't line up with what I saw in the Word of God. So it created a little bit of like, I always had this question mark. Like, I believe in God. I know His Word's true. So why do we never see it? And so it kind of started me on this journey. But the Lord had, I mean, very clearly put it on my heart. I'm supposed to go pray for people every day. Didn't want to do it. Had a lot of fear. Started praying, not seeing people get healed. And I would go back and hit my knees every day and cry out to God and say, Lord, how come I'm not seeing your Word come true? I believe in you. I believe in healing. You healed me years ago miraculously. So I know you heal. So I know it says it in your word everywhere. So why? And I would cry out. I refused to make a doctrine out of what I was not seeing happen and try to justify it all with all these logical reasons, reasonings of man. I said, you know, the, 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 you know, it says in the word that the traditions of men make the word of no avail. That they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And I see scriptures like this. And so I just would come back and hit my knees and I would cry out to God. And I would say, Lord, what's going on? And then it turned into, Lord, teach me. And I started asking him to teach me. 
you know, and as he started teaching me, and I'm going to share these things with you today, and uh, he, he really taught me three things, and later a fourth, but I'm going to mainly focus on the first three today. Um, and the, the, so I was averaging one out of 40. Number 50 got healed, number 80 got healed. So if you were sick, you probably didn't want to come see me. It probably wasn't going to be a good day, you know? And so the odds wouldn't be in your favor. So I'm like, okay, Lord, teach me, Lord, teach me. And he took me on this journey of teaching me. And one thing he really said to me really clearly, because I thought for a while, I, I, after not seeing it for a long time, I thought, well, maybe it's about some special anointing or something, you know? And we do see in the Bible, it talks about a gift of healing. And I have met people with a gift of healing, actually. But I see a lot of miracles now, but it's not because of a gift of healing, but it's really more for the gift he gives us of the Holy Spirit is, is what he showed me. So he kind of just taught me more about authority and about surrender. And he taught me about who we are as his sons and daughters in God. He taught me about how to get out of his way with this type of unbelief that I didn't really understand or even know I had. Because in my, in my view, I had faith. I believed. So he started showing me how I was in the way and how to get out of the way. So these are the things he started teaching me. And for me, it started at a place of surrender. I'd hit a point in my life where I just finally just like, Lord, it's not enough to know about you. I've got to know you intimately. And it became this heart's cry to know him and to encounter him because everything but, oh man, I mean, I had ministered for, you know, in different ways through the years, I always just, you know, worked, uh, had businesses, different things and worked. But on the side, I was always in church and I was ministering and I was doing different things. And, um, but, you know, I just started realizing I don't know how to be intimate with God and connect with God. And that was such a huge part. So as I started crying out to know him and I started learning to have intimacy with God and that I could have an intimacy with God that I never knew existed. And, and so then he started changing me and he started changing my heart. And the more I encountered him in intimacy, the more I surrendered and the more I cried out and the more I would just get on my face before him and just weep and say, Lord, I got to know you more. And I would just weep before him and, just, and he just started showing up and I started encountering him in such real ways. And then, so, so that kind of started. And then, I, then all of a sudden, after he, he just radical encountered, I told about in the testimony last week, and, and I get set free. I, I start going out. I, someone sends me a video of someone praying for people and people getting healed and they're sharing the gospel and loving on people with the love of Christ. And I knew it was what I was supposed to do. I start doing that. Nobody's getting healed. I'm going back. I'm crying out every day. I go pray for people. No one gets healed. I come back and cry out to God. I go and pray for people. They wouldn't get healed. And he was changing my heart and putting so much love in me. When, I, when they wouldn't get healed, man, I would walk away in tears when they get healed. They, they were walking away limping, but no, no different than they were when I prayed for them because they weren't expecting to get healed anyway. You know the number one reason people don't pray for people for healing? If you do surveys, the number one reason? Because they're scared it won't work. Here, let me, let, me, let me go ahead and take the pressure off you of you for that one. They don't expect it to work. Even the Christians. Like 99.9% .9 of the Christians, when you pray for them, even the ones who have faith, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, pray for me. And their mindset is this. Thank you for praying for me. Maybe that'll help. It'll put another prayer in God's pile. And maybe in a few months, I'll be healed. That's kind of the mindset we have a lot of times. Not everybody, but most.
They're, in other words, they're not expecting, oh, pray for me, and right now, man, I'm going to be healed, and I'm walking away good. Because not, we're not used to seeing it. And we get, you know, anyway, so, so that happens. So I'm praying for people. People aren't getting healed. Uh, I'm crying out. He starts teaching me. I went through the phase of thinking it was anointing. He told me really clearly, it's not about anointing. He is the anointing. And we all have all of him we need in us to see the sick healed. And it's, what he's it's part of what he's called us to. And so if you say, do I have a healing ministry? No, I don't have a healing ministry. I have a Jesus ministry. It's just that healing's part of Jesus. It's part of his nature. I have a, a loving ministry because that's part of his nature. Does that make sense? It, it's, it's part of who he is. I have an evangelistic ministry to share the gospel because that's part of who he is. He told us to proclaim the word. I, I have a ministry that, that, that hits my knees and prays because that's part of what it's about. I have a relationship with him because that's what he wants and that's what he's called us to is relationship. So it's not a healing ministry. It's a Jesus ministry. It's part of his nature. And here's one for you. Healing is not an event. Healing's a person. And his name's Jesus. It's not an event. It's him. It's the price he paid. It's a person. It's what he did. And so I'm on this journey. I'm praying for people. People aren't getting healed, crying out. He starts teaching me. He takes me through three things. I'm going to teach them to you real straight and simple today. Okay? The first one is very foundational. And he really just started talking to me about identity in Christ. And, I, and I'm going to do this a little bit backwards today because he's taught me so much more about that since then. And so I'm going to circle back in the last half of what I'm going to talk about today to this first part. Okay? But he started talking to me about being a son of God. And here's the crazy thing. I, I knew all the scriptures. I knew all the healing scriptures. I, I could have done a teaching on healing, even when I never saw it. We see that happen in churches today. And I could have taught on healing. I could have taught on the other things he taught me. But the thing was, I had, I had stuck verses, a bunch of verses I knew here, but I didn't have revelation of it here. It's just like identity when we talk about who we are as sons and daughters of God. I knew all the scriptures. I knew he said we're the righteousness of God. We're holy and blameless in his sight. We're the salt of the world. You know, I, I knew he said we're kings and priests in Revelation chapter 1. I, I knew he said we're a royal priesthood. We're a citizen of heaven. We're in Christ and he's in us and we're one spirit with him. I knew all those verses. For 28 years prior to that, I knew all the verses. But here's the thing. It's one thing to know the verses, and it's another thing to become a son or a daughter. To, like, really realize that's who we are. That's who he's created us to be. When we're born again, we become his sons and daughters. Not till we're born again, though. See, a lot of, you'll see a lot of non-believers say, hey, yeah, I, we're, we're all children of God. You know, that's not biblical. God loves everyone, but he says to be his child, his son or daughter, we have to be born again. Okay? So, but he started talking to me about what it means to be, his, to be a son. 
And it became, instead of a bunch of verses to me in my head, it became revelation to me. And in my heart, I started getting it and I became a son. I was like overwhelmed that he would take me who didn't deserve any of it and elevate to that position. And he does that with every one of us. When we were yet sinners, when we were sinners and made ourselves an enemy of God, born into that nature, he came and he gave his life so he could redeem us back to sonship. And I started understanding, and it was so overwhelming with the goodness of God. It was revelation of the goodness of God. And I became a son in my heart. And I, I wouldn't see any more people get healed after he taught me that. There was about two months of that that he just like talked to me. I mean, just all the time, everything he would lead me to in the word. Videos people would random send me. They were all on who we are in Christ. <laughs> like It was like he was just bombarding me with like, you're my son. You're my son. And I became a son. I already was a son. <laughs> I, that's the crazy thing. I already was a son. I just in my heart wasn't a son. When God looked at me, he saw a son. When I looked at me, I didn't see a son. When I looked at me, I saw my faults. I saw my weaknesses. I saw how far away I was from him. But he saw a son. And when he looks at you, if you're born again, he sees a son or a daughter. That's what he sees. Are we seeing that? If not, cry out to him to give you revelation. So then, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Lighten up a little bit. Okay. So next. I wasn't seeing more people get healed after that one, but I do believe it was a critical foundation thing. So after that, this will be a little lighter. <laughs> he, uh, he starts t talking to me about authority and see, look, the authority comes out of the fact that we're his sons. Because we're his sons and daughters, we walk in that authority he looked at his disciples and he said, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Jesus, before he ascended, he looked at his disciples. He said, all authority upon heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, you go. That was that transfer of authority for them to go, for us as disciples to go. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them. He also tells us to teach them to obey all he commands. But we're to go and make disciples. That's Matthew 28, 19. And he tells us these things in Scripture. There's this transfer of authority. I give you the authority. That word in the Greek is authoritative power. I give you authoritative power to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over, uh, over all the power of the enemy. That word power is not authoritative power in the Greek. It just means power. The enemy has power, but as sons and daughters, we have authoritative power. And he started teaching me about this. And all of a sudden, I, uh, I, I just felt like I was supposed to go grab my Bible 
And I was supposed to start highlighting everything that Jesus said when he prayed for someone. Like, what did he verbally say when he prayed for someone and they were healed? What did the disciples verbally say when he prayed for someone and someone was healed? And I did it. And I started doing that. And I get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, get to Acts. I'm going through Acts and I get to Acts. I think it's chapter three, I believe it is, two or three. And I get it. I think it's three. And I get there in Acts and there's this story about Peter and John walking by the gate beautiful and they have this cripple who's been crippled since birth and they take people take him and set him at the temple gate so he can beg for money every day and Peter and John are walking and they see the guys there and he asks them for alms for money and Peter says look at us and and the man looks at him thinking he's going to get money and Peter says what I have I give to you. Now, that's interesting that he said that. Because the guy gets healed right after that. And I'm, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Peter said, what I have, I give to you. He didn't say what God has, I give to you. Or what God has, God gives to you. He didn't pray and ask God to give him anything. Peter just looks at him and says, what I have, I give to you. So we have to ask ourselves, what was it that he gave him? What was it that Peter had that was Peter's to give, as he willed, that he gave him? And so what happens next, he said, what I have I give to you. And he looks at the man and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. And he grabs him by the hand and immediately the man's feet, legs, ankles, everything completely healed. All the muscles restructured. I mean, think the guy has never walked in his life. Everything is healed and he stands and he walks. And he starts leaping around for joy, dancing before the Lord. He's healed. What was it that Peter had that he gave him? The only thing I can come up with is he gave him an authoritative command. And I thought, well, Lord, was that Peter's to give? Yeah, because Jesus had looked at the disciples and said, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. In other words, he's saying, Jesus himself says, he says in the Gospel of John, he says, all these things that I have done, you will do too, and even greater things than these. He gave them of the authority. So if we're, we're to, so he's telling them, everything I did, you're going to do two and even greater things than these. Well, what did Jesus come to do? Well, he came to take away the sins of the world. We see that. What else do we see in Scripture? It says he came to destroy all the works of the devil. What else do we see? He came to um, heal. It says he came to heal all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. He also became, he came to proclaim the the gospel too. He came to tell people to repent, turn from your sins, turn to God, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So we see these things that he did and he did a lot more than that, but we see these things that he did. Well, he cast out unclean spirits to set the captives free. We see that in scripture, all these things that he came to do to destroy the works of the devil. 
so I'm seeing this, and, and what, well, what happens then? So after the man is healed, the crowd rushes him, and they said, hey, hey, like, whoa. Like, like, and, and Peter's like, whoa, wait, guys, hang on, hang on. Why? And Peter says this. He says, why do you look at us as if by our power or our godliness that this man stands before you whole? He said, it's by the name of Jesus Christ and faith in that name that this man stands before you whole. So Peter's saying, guys, it's nothing to do with, I don't have any power. He's saying, it's not about my godliness or John's godliness. It's about Jesus's power and Jesus's godliness. It's about him. But he gave us this authority to release this authoritative command and to release this faith and to have faith in the name so that his, his spirit will move through us and heal and destroy the works of the devil. And so we see that. And man, I got that revelation. I thought, oh man, game on. I can't wait to get up in the morning and go pray for somebody. Like I know, like everybody's going to get healed now. Like, they're all getting healed. This is the secret. Because <laughs> it was such a revelation to me. And I'll go ahead and give you the end of the story. They all didn't get healed after that one. Uh, I needed to learn some more. But I was so excited. And I, re I really, honestly, I, I was so excited. I couldn't hardly sleep. I couldn't wait to go find me someone limping around the next day. <laughs> Lord, give me somebody limping. Give me somebody limping. You know, and, and, I, and I go uh, with my company. I go to visit this church because we do audiovisual churches. And so I go in there and I need to get in this back room. And this lady's there and uh, she needed to bring the key and open the room for me. And so she comes out behind the receptionist's desk and she's got one of these big old plastic boots on her foot. You know, from like mid-calf down all the way around her foot. And she's like doing like this, you know? And so I'm like, oh, what'd you do? She's like, well, I have arthritis in my ankle. I've had this real bad arthritis for a couple of years. And then I twisted it really bad. And like, I was like, how bad's it hurting? Like one to 10. She's like, it's like a nine. I said, well, hey, can I pray for you? God will heal you right now. She was like, yeah, sure. So man, I bent down, put my hand on her foot. I said, in the name of Jesus, ankle be healed. See, what I noticed when I, when I was looking at this story about Peter and John, I wasn't praying like they were praying. See, the way I was praying before is I was asking God to heal everybody. God, please heal them. Please take their hand, uh, you know, their pain away. Lord, please, you know, because by your stripes we're healed and, and nothing formed against them shall prosper. And I would just quote whatever verse I could and ask God to heal them. And nobody was getting healed hardly. But I, when I read that story with Peter and John, the light bulb went off. I went, oh, I'm not praying like they're praying. I'm not praying like they're praying. They didn't ask God. Matter of fact, nowhere that I could find in Scripture did they ask God to heal anybody. Jesus didn't ask the Father. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. But we don't see in Scripture where Jesus asked the Father to heal anybody. The closest thing we see to it is Jesus, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he, um, he prays to the Father. But then he says, then Jesus prays to the Father, and he says, Father, I, I, I just pray for their sake. Lazarus, come forth. Authoritative command. Everywhere in Scripture, I would see authoritative command. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. Stretch forth your hand. Be healed. Arise and walk. Pick up your mat. Walk. 
I would always see authoritative command. And I went, wow, I'm not praying like they're praying. Are there things we ask God for? Absolutely. We ask, we intercede for other people. We ask him for wisdom. We ask him for guidance. So there's a lot of things in scripture we ask him for. Healing's not one of them. We also don't ask him to drive an unclean spirit out of something. Lord, could you please remove this unclean spirit? No, in the name of Jesus, come out. That's how we see them do it in scripture. It's authoritative command. We're walking in his authority that he gives to us as sons and daughters. So I get this. I pray for her ankle. In Jesus' name, be healed. All pain go. She takes two steps and starts bawling. Like every bit of her pain was gone except for one little bit on, the, on one little side. I said, well, let me pray for that. I put my finger on that. In Jesus' name, pain go. Healed. I, I went back and worked in the back for an hour. I came out, her big old plastic boots sitting on the back table behind her desk. And she's got her tennis shoe back on. Praise Jesus. Okay? Now, I thought everyone was going to get healed from then on. <laughs> I thought, game on, let's go. Well, no, I went out and prayed for a couple more. I saw another one healed, and I prayed for a few more, and they weren't healed, and I prayed for somebody. But here's the thing. The percentages went from 1 out of 40 to about 1 out of 10. That's pretty significant. Especially if you're one of the ones who did get healed. <laughs> Instead of not, that's pretty significant. And so I'm like, wow, Lord. Okay, this is good. And, and, and I, I would say like, well, if the difference in the 1 out of 40 and 1 out of 10 was something I didn't know and I need to learn, I, I guess there must be something else I need to learn. So I would go back and hit my knees and I would cry out to God and I'd say, Lord, teach me. Okay? And, and here's, here's what he taught me next. This was a little deeper. Okay, so he started teaching me about how I was in his way. Now, I didn't understand how I was in his way because I'm like, I believe in Jesus, I believe in healing. But he showed me there was something happening that I need and I need to do something to fix it of how I was in the way. And, and, and so here's what was happening. I started noticing like, I'm going out to pray for people because I do believe. And I would pray and go, in Jesus' name, back be healed. And what I started noticing that was weird is only when I prayed for people, these little weird thoughts would, like fiery darts of thought, would flash through my mind. And it would be stuff like this. They're not going to get healed. It's not going to work. Who do you think you are? You're going to look foolish. You're going to make God look foolish. You know, the last one didn't get healed. Stuff like that would flash in my mind. It would only happen when I went to pray for someone. Like thinking about, oh, I'm going to go pray for them. I wouldn't deal with a lot of it. As soon as I start praying for them, it would, it would kick in. And I was like, Lord, what is happening? Why, why is that in my mind? It's not what I believe. What, why, what, what, I don't understand what's going on. And I thought, well, maybe I just need to renew my mind. I need more faith or, you know, I don't know. I was just trying to grasp whatever. And all of a sudden I read in Romans 8, 9. And so I'm, I'm just reading in the word. And this like just jumps out at me. And. Actually, I'll start at Romans 8, 6, just for a start. It says, um, 
Oh, let's start at five. That's good too. For, <laughs> let's just start at Genesis. No. <laughs> All right. All right. So, <laughs> verse five. Thank you, Lord. Um, so it says, For those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, keep that in mind. What does carnal mean? Carnal means flesh. To be carnally minded or fleshly minded. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. What? What is that talking about? All right, so he started giving me revelation on that because that was my problem and I didn't even realize it. So let's just say this is, the, this is spiritually minded. All right, does the Bible say we have the mind of Christ? Yeah, we have the mind of Christ. So let's say this is to be spiritually minded. And let's say this is carnally minded. This is the flesh, fleshly minded, carnally minded. All right, here's what it's saying. It says that the carnal mind is an enmity against God. In other words, it's an enemy of God. It's hostile to God. It's an enemy of God. It's going to fight against the things of God all the time. It's not going to work. Who do you think you are? They're not going to get healed. All these lies. Always. So it's an enmity against God. It's not subject to the laws of God. What does that mean? It's not subject to. If you're subject to the king, you're under the king. If you're subject to something, you're under it. So what it's saying, in other words, if you're, if you're subject to something, you'll submit to it. What it's saying is this carnal fleshly mind is an enemy of God, and it will not submit to the things of God. It will not be subject to the law of God, the word of God, the ways of God, anything of God. It's going to war and fight against the things of God all the time, and it will not submit to it. And look, look what it says next. It says, and it can't. It cannot submit to the things of God. It won't. It's always going to be an enemy. And it really confused me when I read that. I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Lord, how do I renew something that can't be in line with God? You just said it can't be. So how do I renew it? And here's what the Lord said to me. I heard him real clearly. He said, that's not the mind that I told you to renew. I told you to do something else with that mind. What do you mean, Lord? And I started realizing we have the mind of Christ. There's a spirit over here that we're supposed to be in alignment with. And this is, there's this carnal fleshly mind over here that's an enemy of God. It's the flesh. And it says all through the word, walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. Over and over again in the Bible, walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. This is an enemy of God. This is the mind of Christ, the spirit. And I was like, well, what am I renewing then? 
I have a mind. I got a soul. I got thoughts. I got feelings and emotions that I'll have even when I'm in heaven. This part ain't going to heaven. The Bible says that the flesh is corruptible and that it's corruptible and that we're going to get a new glorified body when we go to heaven that's going to be incorruptible. Jesus didn't come to fix up the things of the flesh. He came to kill them, crucify them with him. He came to crucify the old sinful nature. He came to rebirth our spirit. So I realized, oh, I have a soul and my soul and spirit are going to go to heaven. And this is the good part of my thoughts. But there's this bad carnal fleshly part of my thoughts that's part of the flesh. There's a mind that's part of the flesh. And that is not going to heaven. How many of y'all are thankful that you're not going to have to put up with them voices of all that junk in your head when you're in heaven? <laughs> Amen. 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 It's fleshly. It's carnal. It's not of God. It fights against the things of God. And so I said, well, Lord, okay, so this is the mind that I'm supposed to renew to the Spirit of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, everything of God. That's my mind that will be me when we have it. It's, part of my, it's my soul. It's not just my mind. It's my heart, too. It's my soul. Every bit of my soul. It's also my will, my desires, my ambitions. They need to be in line with, the, with God, too. It's the, all of the soul has to be in line with Him, renewed to Him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's not talking about this mind. He's talking about this mind, my heart, my soul, renewed. What do we do with this one? I said, Lord, well, what do I do with this one? It's, it's, this one's really aggravating. And he said, I told you in my word. And I'm like, what? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm listening to him. And here's what, I hear, here's what I hear. I told you in my word. I told you to cast down. To take, I told you to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Casting down every thought and every imagination that tries to exalt itself up above the knowledge of God, what God knows to be true. See, this thing doesn't just want to be an enmity of God. It don't want to just, it's not going to be, it's not just going to not be submissive to it and subject to it. It's not even going to be satisfied with staying even. It's going to try to exalt itself up above everything God says. And I started understanding, cast it down. And here's what happened. I said, oh, okay, I can do that. And I'd get up in the morning and I would say, carnal mind, unbelief, doubt, fear. I take you captive in the name of Jesus. I cast you down. I'm going to go out and pray for people this, today. You're not invited. You don't understand the things of God. You can't understand the things of God. You're just an enemy of God. So when I pray for people, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to be silent. You will not participate. See why he taught me sonship first? See why he taught me authority first? Because I had to have that or I wouldn't have been able to understand the last piece. So here's what happened. I would go out and I would go, in Jesus' name, be healed. And here's what would go through my mind this time. In Jesus' name, be healed. That's what went through my mind. It was silent. The voices stopped. 
The, 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 those little voices that said, it's not going to work. Who do you think you are? The last one didn't get healed. All those voices stopped. And I started realizing something and I grew from there. But look, when I got that revelation, I started seeing like 70 to 80% of people healed immediately right on the spot. I, that was August of 2019, just going around town, Walmarts, grocery stores, gas stations, walking through parking lots, eating at a restaurant. I saw like over 20 people, like 25-ish people healed that one month. Just walking around town praying for people. And about 20 the next month, and 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 about 20 the next month. I was like, wow, Lord. And then one day I prayed for this lady who had so much faith and she didn't get healed. I was like, I don't understand this, Lord. How come she didn't get healed? And this was about a few months in to praying for a lot of people. And because of her, I went back and hit my knees again. I said, Lord, the difference in one out of 10 being healed and, or one out of 40 being healed and one out of 10 was something I didn't know you taught me. The difference in that and eight out of 10 or seven out of 10 or whatever was something you taught me. Lord, is it possible that the rest of them, because it says in your word you healed them all. Is it possible that the rest of them, there's something else I need to learn that I don't know? And he started teaching me about deliverance. And I'm not going to teach on that now because Stephanie's been teaching on that already. Okay. But he started teaching me that and I started seeing a whole lot more people get healed. That when I prayed, they didn't get healed. But then when we would cast out an unclean spirit, they would be healed. Christians too? Oh, yeah. I've cast unclean spirits out of pastors. Multiple ones. They're no different. Lots of Christians. Lots and lots and lots and lots. Hundreds of Christians. that have been bound with mental stuff. Emotional bondages. Physical illnesses. And pray for them for healing. Nothing happens. Lead them through some repentance over some things. Areas are really bound. They're out of alignment. They got unforgiveness. They got bitterness. They got lots and lots of self-bitterness. Okay? Most sickness and disease, that's what I've learned. Most sicknesses and diseases are, that are not healed when you say be healed, they're usually rooted in a lot of really strong emotional responses. I call it trauma. Okay? It, it's... it's it's the things, so what's the strongest thing is in God? Faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. So you know what the enemy attacks the most? Love. Okay, he attacks love. And so the, the, where the most bondages are are the things that attacks love. It gives the enemy just this crazy foothold. It's things like when we're bitter and, towards someone else and we're unforgiving. And look, I've seen people for, like forgive people. But they didn't repent of the anger and the hatred and all those crazy resentment and all that stuff they were feeling. And so that was still, even though they'd forgiven them, there was still some bondage and some unrepented sin around the anger and the bitterness and the hatred and the resentment. And as soon as they did, prayed again, boom, they're healed. I've seen so many people pray for healing one, two, three times. Nothing changes. Ask the Lord, is there anything you need to repent of? Anybody you need to forgive? Yeah, oh yeah, the Lord just showed me I need to forgive so and so. All right, forgive them. But hey, also repent of the anger, the bitterness, anything you had in your heart toward them. And they do it and they say, be healed. Boom, they're healed. Sometimes the Lord show them sins they need to repent of. He'll show them different things. Sometimes people have a lot of repentance to do. 
And, and many times we don't even pray for them again. They just go get along with God sometimes and go through a really deep repentance and just repent before God. And in the middle of it, they're healed. That happened with David with one of the things that he, that he was dealing with. All right? See it all the time. All right, so this is the things he started talking. So to, here's the simple version. See, I had to tell you that because you've got to satisfy this mind that wants to be real logical and have, it, it, can't, it can't believe that something's simple. Because, see, the mind goes, well, if it were really simple, all the churches would be seeing people get healed. You know why all the churches aren't seeing people get healed? Because it's really simple. <laughs> I'm serious. It's so simple, we miss it. God makes the wisdom of man as foolishness, it says in the Word. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. I think it's chapter 2. Makes the wisdom of man as foolishness. Okay, and so here's what I learned. It is simple. You know why it's simple? We got the easy part. He's got the hard part. We just say, in Jesus' name be healed. Here's what I In Jesus' name be healed. In my mind, I kind of go, your turn, Lord. And I just like think about something else. Here's what I learned. The, 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 the less you strive, the less you strain, the less you try, the more miracles you'll see. You got to get the flesh out of the way. You got to get it out of the way. This wants to fight it all. So that's what he taught me. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up by circling through this real quick. So look, I got to do this because, look, I'm not a morning person, okay? Because I'm usually ministering until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock, who knows, when. Whenever people are free, all right? So I'm not a morning person. The Lord woke me up at 4 a.m. And I grabbed my notepad and I drew what he showed me. So I'm going to... And I said, well, Lord, if you show me that at four in the morning, I assume you're wanting me to talk about this today. So I have Sister Barbara over here draw this for me. Because so, I, if, I, if I wrote it, you wouldn't be able to, uh, you wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> so you can take a photo of that when we finish. How about that? I'll leave it up there. This is kind of circling back into our identity. One of the things that's happening in the churches here in America and, and a lot of places all over the world, here's the gospel they're preaching. And it's about this much of the gospel. And it doesn't give us an understanding of what it's all about. The gospel that we get taught is you need to say this prayer so you won't go to hell. You need to say this prayer so you can go to heaven. And, and you better say it today because if you don't say it today, you might get in a car accident on the way home. You never know. We're not promised tomorrow. So you need to say this prayer. Okay? And that's, and that's how we grow up thinking and, and thinking about the gospel. And I admit, not going to hell is a pretty good deal. <laughs> you know? That's a good one. That is a great benefit. But it's not what the gospel's about. It's not. It does not say anywhere in that Bible he came to save us from hell. It does not say that. It says he came to take away our sins, to save us from sin. Okay? And it says a lot of other things too. Look, it's not about him. He didn't come and pay this price just to get us into heaven. It's way bigger than that. It's way more important than that. Is so much bigger than that. 
He came and died on that cross and gave his life to get heaven into us. To get his spirit back into us. Because here's what happens. We see God, the Father, we see the Son, Jesus, and we see the Holy Spirit. And we see that Jesus was from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and He was with God. And it says down in about verse 14 in, the, in, the, in John 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we see Jesus was from the beginning. We see the Spirit dwelling upon the face of the earth. We see the Father in heaven. We see the Trinity, three but one. Just like we have a mind, we have emotions, we have a body. But we're three but one. You know, I mean, we, whatever. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Three but one. Okay? And there was an angel named Lucifer who was in heaven before the throne of God leading worship. It says he was one of the most beautiful angels. And, it's, and then Lucifer, all this, it says that iniquity was found in him. And he wanted to elevate himself above God. He wanted to be God. He wanted, does that sound familiar? Like something I talked about a few minutes ago, wanting to exalt yourself up above the knowledge of God, like above God. So he wanted to exalt himself up above the knowledge of God. What was the sin found in him? It was pride. It was self. It was self-exaltation. He wanted to elevate self. He wanted to have it his way. He wanted everything his way. He didn't want to have to submit to nobody or know God or anybody else. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be on the throne. So he got thrown out of heaven and he got thrown down here. Okay, well, God had created Adam and Eve. All right. He says he created Adam in his image. God created man in his image, in his likeness. It says that he gave man dominion over the entire earth. He gave man dominion and he told him to go and subdue the earth. That's where Adam was created. He was created as a son, one with God. Just like it says now, we're in Christ, Christ is in us, one spirit with God. Adam was created one with God, with the spirit of God in him. What was the spirit of God? What was the nature of God? It says in the word, God is love. He had love in him. He had this nature of God in him. And with this nature of God in him, the spirit of God in him, he has, he has this oneness with God, this connection with God. He's got this fulfillment in God. He knows who he is as a son. He knows he's loved. He doesn't question it. And he's subduing the earth through authority that was given to him by God. And then Satan, who had been thrown down, and Adam was supposed to be subduing, comes to Eve and tempts her. And hey, guess what he tempted her with? He says, did God really say you can't eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil? No, no. He said you die. No, you won't die. Watch this. God just knows that you will be like him. You'll be like him, knowing the difference in good and evil. 
What was the temptation? Self-elevation. Pride. Put yourself on the throne of your life. You don't need to submit to God. You can rule your own world. You can be God. Everybody can serve you. That was the temptation. Satan took this poison that was found in him and he ejected it into man. As soon as she agreed and she falls and Adam right there with him, he partakes, he falls and sin, this sinful pride, self nature entered Adam and Eve and it became the sin. And so they fell from here all the way down to the bottom underneath Satan's rule. Because it says in the New Testament that Satan is the God of this world. He's the ruler of this world. So now man's in this predicament. The spirit of man died. Not his soul. Not his soul. Not his flesh. The spirit died. The spirit of God that was one with his spirit left him. God is light. When light leaves, what's left? Darkness. Darkness is left in man. He's in, the, in, in this sinful nature. His, what was man's nature? He was created in God's image. Man's nature was love. It was selflessness. It was, I love you, Lord, with all my heart, all my might, all my soul, and I love everyone else likewise. I seek nothing of my own. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love does not seek its own. It seeks nothing for itself. The nature of man before the fall was love. It was the same nature as God's nature. He was one with God in his likeness, submitted to God, didn't care about being above God. He didn't have that nature until the temptation came and Satan ejected that nature in. And then man became selfish and self-centered and everything has evolved around me and everybody needs to do things the way I want to do. And if not, then I'm just going to be angry and bitter and hate them. And this sinful nature. And every single one of us are born with that sinful nature. Every one of us were born with that sinful nature. Which is why we need to be born again. To a new nature. So we're born with this selfish, self-serving, self-centered nature that wants to rule our own life and be in charge for ourselves. And so God sees man is under this nature. He's under Satan's rule. He's bound. Because look, guys, be honest. <laughs> this sin, the sinful nature, that selfishness, the self-centeredness, every one of our problems come out of it. It's where anxiety, com anxiety comes from. Look, if there's no concern for self, can you have fear? If there's no concern for self at all, can you have fear of death? Can you have fear of what someone else thinks if there's no concern for self? Can you have fear of failure if there's no concern for self? Can you have any kind of fear if there's no concern for self? All right, can you, can you get offended if there's no concern for self? Can we get offended? Can, can we have anger and be angry and mad at someone if there's no concern for self? No, because we, there's nothing they can do to us to offend us. We're dead to self. 
Now all of a sudden we're like, someone slaps across the face, we actually go, hey, here's the other cheek. <laughs> oh, you took my shirt? You took my coat? You took my coat? Here, have my two shirts also. You want me to go with you a, you want me to do what? You want me, what? You want me to go with you a mile? Hey, I'll walk with you too. Why? There's no concern for self. This is where all our problems, all right, hey, can you have self-rejection and self-hatred and unworthiness if there's no conscious, consciousness of, and concern for self? Obviously not. They rejected me. I feel unloved. I feel unvalued. Then again, it roots back out of self. You don't understand what they did to me. The problem in the sentence there is the me. But I have a right to be treated better. The problem in the sentence there is the I. It's the self-nature that all of us are born with. This is what I started seeing in me that was so ugly. And I started crying out to God saying, Lord, you got to help me die to self. you got to take all this out of me. And you got to come and fill me with your love. That's why Jesus came. He came to crucify. He did not come to fix up this old man. He did not come to fix up this sin nature. He did not come to fix up the old man of sin. He came to crucify the old man of sin. It says in Romans 6, verse 5, it says to be united with Christ in his death, crucifying the old man of sin. That's done through repentance. When we say, you old man, I don't want to be you anymore. I'm done with the selfish nature. I'm done with the sin. I'm done with all the sins I've committed. I'm done with the unforgiveness. I'm done with the anger. I'm done with this stuff. No more. I'm nailing it all to the cross with Christ. I'm united with Christ on the cross, crucifying my old man of sin, crucifying the sinful nature to be done with it once and for all. I'm not going to live for me anymore with me on the throne of my life. And that's the point I had to come to. And when we come to that point, he crucifies this sinful nature. And it says that the old man of sin is completely destroyed. And then, that, then we are buried with him in baptism. So we crucify and bury this old man of sin. When we take that dead man of sin off the cross where he's been crucified with Christ through repentance and we go down in the water, we're buried with Christ into his death, Romans 6, 3. And if we're buried with him into his death, we shall surely resurrect with him to newness of life. A new creation. All of our sins remitted, washed away, gone, a new creation. And here's what happens. We'll finish up with this. We're this new man. Now for me, when I was 23 years old, I said the prayer. I said the prayer. And I did have a heart change. God will work with the prayer. The sinner's prayer ain't in that Bible, but God will work with it sometimes. And I did have a heart change. And I did start following God. And I struggled and struggled and struggled with all kinds of stuff for 28 years. Tormented. All kinds of different ways over the years. And I didn't realize that the problem was it was too much self still alive. And I hadn't really fully crucified the old man of sin. I had a half dead man on the cross. I had not crucified him all. It was, he was like the walking dead. He was like a zombie walking around trying to live. When he was supposed to die. 
And when I realized it in uh, November of 18, the Lord entered my room and he showed me all this and he led me through this deep throat of repentance. And I finally, finally, after 28 years as a believer, I finally died. To what? The sinful nature, to, to, to the selfishness, to the self-centered. I died. And I surrendered fully to him. And I said, Lord, I'm yours. I'm not living for me anymore. My life is yours. I'm not going to exalt myself on the throne of my life anymore. I put you on the throne of my life. I surrender. I'm yours. But see, for 28 years, I was in this struggle. It was a battlefield of the mind, so to say. It was like, there was such a struggle because in my heart, I, I wanted to serve God. But then too, there was this old man that I hadn't fully crucified who was fighting against all that. And this carnal fleshly mind was just warring against it. And it was always a struggle. It wasn't until I fully, thoroughly, completely repented, and then you need to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized after repentance, you've got to be baptized after repentance because you've got to have a dead man to bury. And so once that process was complete, I was free. I was free. I was free. The offense was gone. The anger was gone. The, the, the habitual sins were gone. Like everything was gone. But until you, we fully die, there's always this battle going on that seems impossible to win. So what is the gospel really about? It is about redemption. The word redemption means to purchase with a price, listen, and restore it to its original value. See, we were here in the image of God, dominion, subduing. That's where we were. That's where we were. We fell from that. We were then being subdued by Satan. We were under Satan's dominion. We were being subdued by him. And that's the state we found ourselves born into with that nature. Jesus came to crucify that nature, give you a way to be born again of your Father in heaven. Instead of born under being of his seed, we could once again be of his seed. Born again of the Spirit of God. With the Spirit of God in us, the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. He comes and He dwells in us and He, and he gives us power, authoritative power. He restores the dominion to subdue the earth. He, subdue, he, he restores the dominion so we can go and trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He, he returns us to the place of dominion so we can subdue, so we can go and say, there's sickness, that's an oppression of the devil. In the name of Jesus, be healed. That's an unclean spirit that's got that person bound and tormented. They got schizophrenia, multiple personality disorders, all these kind of mental whatever, or other issues. In the name of Jesus, you unclean spirit, come out now. And we're restored to a place of being one with God, just like Adam originally was, with Christ in us. Us and Him. One spirit with Him. With the dominion and authority returned. 
So all we do is we're a vessel, we're a surrendered, submitted vessel to say, Lord, fill me, use me as you will. That don't mean he'll call you into full-time ministry. He'll just call you into full-time him. So when you're at your job, you still think about him. You just, you know, like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Everything in my life is yours. And everywhere you look, you'll start seeing, oh, that's an oppression of the devil. I need to go solve that. In Jesus' name, be healed. Oh, there's another one. Hey, in Jesus' name, you unclean spirit, come out right now. I went to the hotel last night, went down, grab a cup of coffee. Waitress comes over. Hey, you need prayer for anything today? You got any pain, anything going on? Yeah, I've had this heel spur and it's kind of hurting about, you know, about a five right now because I took a bunch of ibuprofen. It was a lot worse, but it's about a five right now. I said, you want to see something really cool? She said, yeah. I said, okay, you're like this. Watch this. In Jesus' name, I didn't touch her or nothing. I was just sitting there with my coffee. In Jesus' name, foot be healed. I command that bone spur to go now. All pain go. Now I can feel the Holy Spirit moving. I said, hold on just a minute. We'll just wait. Just wait. And I just waited until I felt the Holy Spirit kind of not, you know, on fire in me. <laughs> and I said, okay, check it. She went, what did you, what did you do? It doesn't hurt anymore. She said like, and it was all tight and it's not tight anymore. Matter of fact, this one was way tighter than my other one, but now it's looser than my other one is. I said, oh, it's looser than your other one is? I said, okay, hang on a minute. This is going to be good too. In the name of Jesus, you other foot, be loose now. I said, check it. She went, no way, no way, no way. She went and got the other way. Hey, you know my foot was, bo- like, he just, he, it, 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 he, it just don't hurt anymore. I said, am I saying me? It's Jesus. I started sharing my testimony, telling, about, telling her about how much God loves her. And how he wants a relationship with her. This has nothing to do with me. We've all been restored here. You just got to get this thing to quit lying to you and take authority over it. And quit trying to, it just, it's going to always be an enemy against God and try to trick you out of who you are. Everybody in the body of Christ is trying to become who they already are and get what they already got. Because he's keeping them deceived, telling them they're not that. You're not, he's, Satan's lying, the flesh, the carnal mind, it's all lying saying, this isn't who you are. This isn't who you are. Uh Uh-uh, you're this fallen man down here. See, this is who you are. He says you're the righteousness of God. Let me ask you a question. What if you don't believe you're the righteousness of God? How are you going to be righteous? He says you're justified. How are you going to be justified if you don't believe you're justified? He says you can walk in power and do everything he did. How are you going to do that if you don't believe you can do it? He says sin no longer has power over you. How's it not going to have power over you if you don't believe it? The first thing is we've got to win this war and we've got to fairly die and we've got to repent and we've got to crucify that old man of sin and take that carnal fleshly thing that's lying to us and take authority over it out of our sonship and say, no, I'm not listening to that lie. Jesus wouldn't think that. He wouldn't feel that way. I'm not either because that's not who I am. This is who I am. Had one of our sisters out in Colorado got a re- revelation on this. They had a, she started teaching it to, to some people in her group. She had this guy in her group who was having a real issue quitting cigarettes. He wanted to quit smoking so bad he didn't know what to do. She said, quit identifying with it. That's not who you are. 
You're not a person who's addicted to cigarettes and can't quit. You're a new creation in Christ. You're the righteousness of God. That's who you are. And he's got a cigarette lit up. She said, go ahead, take a drag off that cigarette and, come, come, and, and declare that you don't need that because you're the righteousness of God. And, you're whole, and he's smoking a cigarette. I'm the righteousness of God. Sin no longer has power over me. Through that week, he lit up a few different ones. But as he lit them up, he's going, sin no longer has power over me. I don't need this stuff. I'm a new creation in Christ. And while he's smoking this cigarette, after about four or five days, he was like, I don't need that junk anymore. And he quit. It had no hold on him anymore because he got a revelation of who he was. He quit listening to the lie. He, can't, he walked into his identity that he's been all along. If God says you're righteous and you're holy and you're blameless and you're a new creation, here's a, here's a thought. How does God see you? Does he see you as a sinner or does he see you as a saint? He says you're a saint. So does he say you're a saint but see you as a sinner? Does he say you're righteous, but see you as not righteous? This is a crazy thought, right? How does he see us? But the real important question is, how do we see us? Are we agreeing with God? Or are we exalting the opinion of our flesh above God? How about we agree with God? How about we agree with him? Because when we agree with him and we surrender, there's peace. There's so much peace. There's so much joy. And it has nothing to do with circumstances at all. The storm can rage and there's still peace. He's really good. The enemy, he's a master deceiver. And he'll keep trying to deceive us to convince us that this isn't who we are. But I promise you it's who you are. If you've been born again, that's who you are. Okay? I'm done. I know I went over, but... Literally, I'm telling you guys, God gave me that at 4 a.m. I, I woke up at 4 a.m. with that image in my head, and I took my thing. I spent, I spent like the next, I don't know, 45 minutes drawing it out. I'm done, Stephanie. <laughs> this is amazing, but I don't want this moment to pass. Yes. Um, this is a really important teaching. How important was that teaching? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to, can I get one of those mics? Because I want the podcast to be able to hear this. Yes. Um, Here's the thing, you guys. I, before we pray for healing, this step is at, we have to do this step. Troy, I, the, the Lord has used Troy to teach me so much. And, you know, God, the Holy Spirit brings people all along the journey. And, um, you know, Troy was saying, you got to die to yourself. And I really thought I had died to myself. But what I came to understand is if you're walking around in hurt, if you're walking around in offense, if you're walking around in any kind of, so then you have not died to yourself. And we're Christians walking around in this stuff and we think we've died to ourselves and we think we forget we've been forgiven. And I don't want this moment to pass because we need to move into healing. He's going to pray for people to be healed. But what he's saying is you can, you, this has to be dealt with first because a lot of people stay stuck in sickness because this has not been dealt with. And I want Kat, Kat, come up here. This is my sister. A lot, you guys all know her. Um, but this is my sister. And we have been through um, everything in life that you can imagine. And she moved here in the middle of COVID. She... she 
uh, you know, fled New Jersey and moved Egypt. here. Yes, and moved here, which was, we thought, the best thing that could ever happen in the whole wide world. But I'm going to be very vulnerable and very transparent. It's been the hardest two years of our relationship. And all of a sudden, this relationship that has been really, literally, the best thing, the, the most beautiful gift, and it turned into the most difficult two years of our lives. And I had forgiven her, okay, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. There was still, like, we were not close. We were, like, on, yeah, there was something in between us, and we couldn't get it gone, yeah. So I kept forgiving, 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 and that's a whole long story. But the fact is, Troy was praying over Dave, and as Troy is talking to Dave, I realize I'm still walking around in hurt, which means I got too much of myself still alive. Of all the stuff I've dealt with, I am not dead to myself because if I was truly dead, I wouldn't feel this hurt towards her. I'd forgiven her. I just still had her. I was not dead enough. There was still, I could still be offended. I could still be hurt. And so while Troy is praying over Dave, I say, I didn't know I could dismiss hurt. I didn't know I had power over hurt. I had no idea until he was talking to, talking to Dave. And I said, Lord, I don't want this hurt. I didn't know I could let it go. I didn't know I could, I didn't know I could had authority over this. I thought I was subject to it. I thought I was a victim. I thought even though I had forgiven her, I didn't. And so I just said, in the name of Jesus, all that hurt be gone in the name of Jesus. I have no hurt. I have no offense. I'm dead to myself. And I did not say a word to her. I didn't say a word to anybody. Didn't say a word to Dave. Didn't say a word to any, at anybody. That whole next week, I was completely different. She had no idea. Nobody had any idea. I was free. I was myself again. After two long years of very heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking because we are, if you guys knew us, we are very, we love each other so insanely much. You know, we give each other kidneys and we still would have during the last two years, but we just, but we just didn't really like being in the same room together, which was a shock for the first time in our lives. But uh, that was gone and that hurt was gone. And then when Troy came last time, he prayed over her. She got massive freedom massive and then she apologizes for all that stuff that she really didn't see before and I didn't see before because she died to herself I died to myself we we sat in here this week we sat at my kitchen counter we're like we're us again we haven't been together in two years I'm so glad that I died to myself but I literally so this is what I want to say you guys if you have hurt in your heart. It's not about whether or not you have the right to be hurt, a right to be offended. It's not about that. And I honestly, this is a new thing that God has taught me. I was like, I'm way too alive. I didn't die fully. And I, and see, here's the thing that we do. If you guys would have known me, if you guys would have known me when she knew me, right? If you would have known me before, you'd be like, she's so dead. I'm so different than who I once was. So I compare myself to what I was and I, so I did not know that I still had stuff still alive until this whole thing. But here's the thing. You, the power comes in whole new levels. If you are hurt, if you are offended, it's not about what they did to you. It doesn't matter. God, that's God's business. What they did to you is between them and God. It's what you do in your heart. So I just want to say to you guys, listen, 
We are true believers. You might have prayed that prayer 25 years ago like he did. You might have been in a process of death, but look at your heart. Are you still angry? Are you still hurt? Are you still offended? Is there still something? If so, before we do healing, I want you to stand to your feet, and we're going to die. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to die. And then Troy and his team and I and, and all of us who are operating in this, we will pray over healing. But you can't be healed till you're dead. So if you need to die, stand up. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray a prayer. Let me just say this one more thing. We, you, and you guys may remember my sermon on baptism last year. But if not, when you have fully died to yourself, you need to be baptized. And maybe you've been baptized and not fully dead to yourself. So maybe we do need to do a baptism this, because this whole room is standing. You know, I, I might need to be rebaptized because I realized there's too much, there was too much life in me. So we might need to be rebaptized because baptism is about the dead, dead to yourself, resurrection to Christ. You do not live for yourself anymore. If you, when you got baptized, if you weren't dead to yourself, you might need to be, because that's when the power comes. I'm telling you, baptism is an integral part. And we, you know, there's a whole sermon on that, that I might forward. I think I am going to, I am going to forward. I'm going to put it on the the thread. And if you have people here with you today, please forward it to them because you have, you have to be baptized after you've died to yourself. It's a very powerful piece. So let's just pray this prayer of repentance and I'll pray it for all of us. You guys just agree with me. Jesus, Spirit of God, we want this flesh of self, of offense, of hurt, of anger, of rage, of fear, which is selfishness, of anxiety, which is self-focus. We want it to die today. We crucify this flesh in the name of Jesus. And we resurrect. Lord, you're a God of life. So the only reason there is ever death in you is so there is a resurrection power that is far greater than whatever we die to. Jesus, we give our lives, our emotions, our thoughts, We give them to you. We die to our self. What they haven't said, what they didn't do, what they said wrong, what they did wrong, what they didn't acknowledge. We die to that today, Jesus. We live for your glory. We live to serve you. We live to serve others. Lord, you will give us everything we need and more. Your word promises you will do above and beyond all we ask or imagine. When we die to ourselves, you won't turn around and disappoint us. You will give us greater. Jesus, we die to ourselves today. We repent of being so self-focused. Instead of focusing on you, Lord, instead of living for you, we've been still living for ourselves. We've still had a foot in this world and a foot in your kingdom. And your word says a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Your word says you cannot be a friend of God if you're, I mean, a friend of the world. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. We are fully in Jesus. 
Our life is not our own. We were bought at a price. We die to ourselves and we resurrect in the power of the risen Lord. We crucify our pride, our selfishness. We crucify that now today. God, you be glorified. We're not here to glorify ourselves anymore. We're not here to be angry, offended, or think about what someone has or hasn't done. We are here to submit to you and live in power, and we will not let our flesh and our selfishness and our pride get in the way not one more day. So fill us with your spirit, God. We repent. We repent of this self-focused life we've been living. And we live fully for you. And Holy Spirit, we believe that in this repentance, the fire of the Spirit of God will consume this room and people will be set free. People will be healed because we have died to ourself and we live for your glory. And now your power can come because our selfishness and our pride will not pervert it. Come, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for the forgiveness. We thank you that you see us as righteous. We thank you, Father God, that you do not see us as our sin, but instead we are clothed in robes of righteousness. We are royal, we are pure, and we are powerful in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray the Spirit of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of Pentecost, fall on this room now, Lord. Heal the sick, Lord. Set the captives free, Lord. Your word promises we believe it. And in the name of Jesus, we command sickness and infirmity to leave this room. We command anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness, offense, anger, rage to leave this room. We stand on holy ground as holy surrendered to our Savior who we trust with all our heart. He will do better with our lives than we could ever do for ourselves. Thank you, God, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. We are a holy people set, a, set apart for great works of righteousness to do what Jesus has done and even greater. God, be glorified. Glorify the power of your name right now in this room. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And, and I'm going to recommend staying. If you still need things to repent of, stay before the Lord. For, ask Him, Holy Spirit, show me who I need to forgive. Show me what was in my heart. Repent of the anger, the bitterness, the hatred. Ask Him what sins you need to repent of. Stay in the spirit of repentance until He is showing you nothing else. Yes. Until he is no longer showing you, keep asking him and stay in this place of repentance. Okay, we're going to start praying for people. Yes. Just come okay. up and ask for prayer. Whoever yep. you want, just come on forward, get prayer if you need it. So in the name of Jesus, I command every unclean spirit of anger, bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness to leave. I command every spirit of infirmity to leave. I thank you, Jesus.